0: Welcome to Bear Creek AG. You're getting ready to listen to our current Bible study. Right now, Pastor Tony is walking through the book of James. So grab your Bible and a notepad or journal and join us.
1: Well, does anybody have an idea who the author of the book of James is? It is a loaded question. Who is it then, brother? It is James, absolutely. The author of the book of James uh, is James. Does anybody know who he is other than his name being James? That' what we believe who he is. Absolutely. He was the half-brother. Obviously, they didn't share the same earthly father, but he was the brother, one of the brothers of of Jesus. He was also a leader in the church in Jerusalem. Okay, He was one of the main leaders of the church in Jerusalem. He writes this letter. This letter is written to... the Jewish Christians who had at this point scattered, they had left Jerusalem. So the letters being written to, to shepherd them, to encourage them, because he was still in Jerusalem, but many of them had, had left because of who was martyred. Who do we know was martyred in Acts chapter eight? It wasn't Paul. Paul was part of the martyring, but who was actually killed? He was a deacon of the church, Stephen was. Yeah, and because of the martyring that came, we know that the church, they fled for their faith, for their lives because of their faith. And it's during this time that they did. And so he writes it. This is actually one of the earlier written New Testament books. Of all the books, it's one of the earlier ones. It was written about A.D. 40 to A.D. 50. Okay, so it was written pretty well. I know, I know sometimes we think that the books are in chronological order in the Old Testament, New Testament, and, and they're not. Um, And so sometimes we think that the Gospels are, were written first. In reality, they weren't necessarily written first They, but or uh, at the same time. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I want this to be a learning environment. It doesn't change the validity of the books. It's just I'm trying to help you understand. This was a very early book written to a church that had scattered. So James, as a pastor, as a shepherd, is trying to to reach, get this letter out. It's one letter that would have been passed around from house to house, community community probably was copied and, and passed around. Now there's two reasons to study this book. Obviously one of the reasons, actually three, is because it's in the Bible. But the benefits of it is, is first one of the first reasons or benefits is because we examine the relationship between faith and works. That's a primary theme of this book as we get into it. James James refers to faith 14 times in this short little letter. His letter also is filled with the command to obey. You'll hear him say over and over, you know, don't be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. We need to obey. You're going to hear that a lot as we go through it. And 59 different times he gives a command. So obedience is everywhere. Genuine faith acts, genuine faith works. And we're going to look at that, you know, faith with works and faith without works and so forth and so on. We live in a time where you talk about obedience and if we talk about commands and we talk about laws and works of the Christ, uh, works in the Christian life. Uh, people accuse you can very quickly say you're talking about legalism. Yes, brother? Absolutely, yeah. Actually, ten, yeah, because most of the tribes were part in the Old Testament. That was part of the northern tribe that was called Israel after the split. Uh, They actually were they were all carried off and pretty much done away with. But we know that some of them still lived there, and some of them that's where the Samaritans came in. But yeah, that is an interesting way that he he addresses. Uh, addresses the reader to the twelve tribes. He's re- that's talking about. He's talking to the people of God. Basically, is what he's saying when he does that. So, um, but you know, we live in a time today that if we if we put any requirement so many we tell people they need to obey, or we give them commandments, we give them laws, we tell them about they there's things that they have to do for, for in their Christian life. You could be accused very quickly of becoming legalistic, legalism. You know. There was a time in the world, in the church world, where it was legalistic. You know, we remember those times. You weren't considered holy. You weren't considered saved if you did certain things or if you didn't do certain things. And, and it was definitely what your salvation was predicated on what you did or didn't do. Um, that's not what this book's about. So just understand, as we go through that, you're going to see this isn't about legalism. But the theme uh, in much of the church today is gone from legalism to grace. And we talk about grace. It's more about grace. And they say being a Christian isn't about doing this or doing that. But what we're going to find as we study James is you will find he says it is about this and that. In other words, today the theme is, is you don't have to do this or do that to be a Christian, which is true. We know that salvation is not done, comes through works, it's by grace. But what we find James is going to point out, which is kind of one of my mantras too, is but once you are saved, there are things that are required of you or expected of you that are going to prove or be fruit of your life that you have received Christ. And, and that's really what James is hitting here. So we need to make that very clear. If you take James and look at it uh, from a legalistic standpoint, it's almost as if he's contradicting um, what Paul says in, in several of his letters to the church, but it's not. It's actually, it's actually congruent. It's actually complementing what Paul has to say. Um, and if anything, this was actually written before Paul wrote any most of his letters. So it's kind of interesting how that works. So. Uh, you don't just listen to the word, you'll hear him say that, you do it. So he's saying, you have to listen and do. And Joe, uh, James goes on as far as to say, if you don't do it, then your faith is dead. And so we're going to look at some of that stuff in the weeks to come, that just as an overview uh, of, of what he's trying to imply and what he's trying to get across to us. The second reason to study James is to explore the impact of our faith on our community and the world around us. Really, that's what James is talking about when you look at it. He said, you say you have faith, but you don't have works. Really, what he's talking about is as a scattered community as they were, they were to be having an impact in those areas that they had scattered to. And that's why he's saying. And when you look at it from that hermeneutical—that word that you know—herma. Uh, look at it from the standpoint of when it was written, why it's written, who it's written to. That helps clear up a lot of the questions about James. He's saying, "Look, you've been scattered. Right? You're now in areas where the gospel may have not gone. Acts chapter eight. The church has just given, really, been given birth. It isn't that many years old. So now the gospel's starting to spread slowly." But this is before Paul. I mean, did Paul, wish, Paul has not gotten saved yet. The gospel has not gone to the Gentiles yet. See? And so James is saying, hey, wherever you're planted, we can testify this, let your faith be on demonstration by your works. And that, that's what this book is really about. It's about knowing, uh, the, having that firm foundation in who you are and let it be expressed so that you can have an impact on the world around you. So when we look at it, he's going to address practical issues like poverty. He's going to address poverty in this letter, uh, trials, wealth, materialism. He talks about social justice. He talks about the tongue. He talks about the sick. See, He covers a vast variety of subject matters that's dealing with their faith being on demonstration. As we look at James, we're going to find that the book moves quickly between subjects. It's almost as if James is bouncing from one thing to another. But it's all been written within the context as faith and works accompanying those faith. faiths. Like I said, the first 18 verses, if we get to them tonight, through them, you're going to see that. He bounces around, but it's all within this context that he's talking about. How we put our faith uh, on demonstration. How our faith should move us. So, it, he talks about helping the homeless, giving food to the hungry, helping addicts find freedom. Well, he don't talk about that, but that's how we do it locally in our own life. Start a Bible study at work or in your home. Go on a mission trip to help a missionary. Help your neighbor. Give to, to help to help storm victims. You know, give to help missionaries. And you know, and the list goes on and on. That's how we apply this to our lives tonight. So, from a, from faith moves Christians to take steps of radical obedience. You're your foundation of faith, your belief in Jesus Christ. It, I say this all the time. The things that Jesus has done for us should demand, it should move us to do something different than what we're already doing. That make, am I being clear? That's really what, what James is really bringing out here. It's, it's a radical obedience to make the gospel known to those around us and around the world. So, let's look at uh, James. Oh, sorry, put on two pages here. We're going to look at James chapter 1. The primary focus of chapter 1 is trials and temptations. How many of y'all have had trials? How many of y'all face temptations? All right, if you're not raising your hand, you're not paying attention, or you're lying, okay? We all face trials and temptations. The word trial, or should I say the words trial, tempt, and tempted all come from the Greek word piera, P-E-I-R-A. This word can be translated trial or temptation. It's the same word means trial or temptation. It all depends in the Greek the connotation or how it's being used. And, And I won't go into the participles and all that kind of stuff. But it depends on how it's being used. And so as we look at this, if you see the word trial, tempted, or temptation, then you know it's the same Greek word, but it has a little bit different meaning to it and how it is used, okay? To summarize verses, and we're going to summarize it, then we're going to read it. To summarize verses uh, 2 through 18, it would be say that trials and temptations are both inevitable. They're going to happen. There's no way of stopping them. And God intends both to deepen our faith. Okay? And we know God uses trials to do that, but do you know that God uses temptations to do the same thing? We're going to look at that tonight. Hopefully we'll get there. It's really, it's really interesting. So, so let's look at this. We're going to read uh, chapter 1, verse uh, it's 1 through 12 to begin with. So I hope you're there. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in dispersion, greetings. In other words, all you guys that are, that are gone, that are scattered. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. It makes sense why he's saying that, right? He's dealing with people who have lost their homes, lost their jobs, lost their families, all right? So he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. I won't stop and preach there, but that's, that's a preaching point right there. All right, be steadfast in what you believe, right? I just lost something there. There we go. I'm back on, guys. Still good? All right. All right. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. All right, verse nine. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and in and the rich in his humilia, humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him that's a great paragraph great section of scripture a lot of theology so let's look at this there are three truths that affect how we understand and respond to trials and temptations three truths Now I don't have a handout I'll be more than happy to keep repeating these truths as we go along. Within the first truth, there's going to be four points. It's not a message, but there's four great truths about uh, this first point. The first point is, God is sovereign over our trials. Who can give you a definition of sovereign? Anybody? James? James? Okay, I'll repeat it. That was a short one. You're fine. Incomplete control. In other words, God is sovereign, which means He is in complete control. I, I, I like that. Anybody else want to add to it? So God is sovereign. He's in, he's in control of everything. And not only that, it goes beyond that. He will do what He needs to do. In other words, not only He's in control, but He will do what needs to be done to make sure the outcome meets His will. Okay? So... We have to understand that God is sovereign. He's in complete control over our trials, okay? Um, verses two through four are probably a couple of scriptures that most Christians probably wish wasn't in the Bible because it talks about we will have them. Yet, this is one of the most profound and the crucial passages for a Christian. What James is pointing out to us is that God is sovereign over your trials, which tells me that trials, get this, are never out of God's control. There you go, James. And he accomplishes his purpose through them. We don't always look at trials as God trying to accomplish something through them, do we? But if you listen to my message this past Sunday, you know I spoke a little bit about faith and what God is trying to birth through us, even through our trials, even through our hard times. There is a purpose for that. If it's not something I brought on myself, I've got to stay seated, I forgot I'm on camera. If if it's not something I brought on myself by walking in disobedience to sinning, then it can only be God ordaining what's come against me. You say, well, what about Satan, Pastor? Satan can't harm me unless God permits it. It's the bottom line. He, he's roaring, he's walking around, he's wanting to find someone to devour. I'm there, but God's hand of protection, as long as I walk in obedience to him, his hand is going to protect me from that. His hands can going to protect me from the curse. The blessings of God are covered. We are covered because that we're in right relationship with Him. There are times that God will allow us to go through trials. We know that, that we did not do anything. I think when we look back at the scripture uh, I used Sunday with uh, with, um, Hannah, uh, that was a trial for her. That was nothing she did to bring on herself. She didn't do anything to be barren. That was just work, life had brought her to. is actually part, is part of the curse of the fallen nature. But God interceded for her behalf. And, that, and with that, her faith grew. Of course, she was tested with that. You can go back and listen to the message. So we have to understand that. The trials are never out of God's control. If they're trials, God allows to be upon us. He is in control of those trials. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God for a time of trials, for a time of testing. See? God permitted that. Jesus didn't do anything to to allow Satan to come. God allowed Satan to come to him, just like he allowed Satan to go to Job, right? Are you with me? But in that, God is sovereign. He was in control, and he wants to accomplish his purpose through it. He's not having us go through trials just to watch us suffer. There's a purpose in it. And we have to understand that. A false teaching has made its way into the church today. The, it's the idea that God doesn't want anything to happen to you. That he doesn't want you to go through hard times. That's false. I'm working on a message for two Sundays. Not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. And I won't, I won't, I'm not quite finished with it, but I can just tell you this. One of the points I'm going to make is that the only way that we can learn, learn discipline, the only way that we can exercise our, our our character muscles, for lack of a better word, is that we have to exercise. The only way you're going to grow is to exercise. Same way with your faith. It's the same way with that part of your life. You have to understand that God never intended for you not to go through trials. It's throughout the Bible. We live in a fallen world. It's just part of fallen nature. It's part of it, see? See? And, 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 and just look who this book is being written to. He's been written to the Christians in Jerusalem that have been scattered. Are they not going through a trial? Are they not going through tribulations? Absolutely. Are they not poor? Have they lost, lost their jobs, lost their homes, lost their property, whatever it is they owned? Absolutely. And so, from that vantage point, God, James is trying to say, Look, God is sovereign. He's saying, God, He's got this under control. Something good is going to come out of it. Of this. He's considering, he says, matter of fact, you need to consider your trial as joy. Wow. That's, that's hard. When he uses this term joy, this is a command and not a suggestion. He's not saying, you ought to consider it joy. He says, no. This is you should be considering what you're going through. If it's not something you brought on yourself and walking in disobedience or, or, or sinning or whatever the case may be, if you're genuine, this is something that's come up on you. I did nothing to deserve COVID nineteen. I did nothing to deserve my house and this church be destroyed by Hurricane Michael. That was a trial. That was nothing more than a test for us Christians. If you missed it. You missed a great opportunity to have joy. And we're going to talk about joy in this. We should, we should have been able to find joy in all that. Not in joy in the fact that we lost homes. Not in the fact that we, that we may have lost lives and we lost property. But joy in the fact that we know through this, God was accomplishing something. Alright, got two hands. Very, very quick. Come up here, front, here first, and we'll go to the back. I knew I was going to get somebody to pipe up sooner or later about this. Go ahead, James. Um, the... Sometimes, the even the trials that you did bring on yourself, God is sovereign in
2: them, like Jonah.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's right? Jonah absolutely. brought the
2: trial on himself, but God was sovereign
1: in it, and God had a purpose in it. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? It was totally Jonah's doing right. that got him into the situation, but... At the same time, because God is sovereign over all things, absolutely, even your mistakes. But we from. can't blame God for Jonah being in the belly of the fish. No, but at the that's same what time, my point was. But God, can but use God it definitely uses. Still in control of it. Absolutely. Manipulate it to be. What I'm, it in comp- be. But I'm in. I'm God's will comp- will always be done. I'm, in what? I'm Well, I I won't say God's will will always be done. If it's His will that none should perish, we have people dying and going to hell every day. So we got to be careful about God's will. Always be done in that sense. Yes, the majority of time God is in; He is in control. But there's certain things that He depends on us to do for His will to be accomplished. Does that make sense? Well, no, I'm not saying that we don't have a part. All I'm saying is if God nothing happens, if God does I, okay. I, mean, I, I don't want to. I can't even go there, James. I can't tell you that God's okay with. Billions of millions of babies being aborted. You say God's okay with that. It to with. And what if I'm, I'm saying, saying is, right. And I say that God wants the world to change, but there's sometimes He's waiting on us to do it. Right, to do it right? Absolutely. I think we're on the same page. I've just got to be careful how I term things. I because if not, very quickly, we, we undermine the true foundation of the Word of God. And that's what we stand about. We don't blame, absolutely don't blame God. I thought another, Brother Carl, you had a comment, or question. Yeah, I think
0: James tried to tell everybody, as long as we've got sound faith in God, and we're obedient to God, that we can endure anything. We can get through anything that comes before us. Yes, yes. That way we don't let the negativity get into it. We have the positive look at it, and we take it on from there.
1: Okay. I would agree with that, absolutely, absolutely. we got faith in God, for faith is in the Lord, and our trust is in the Lord. No matter what we go through, we, we can look at it from, as I used this past Sunday, faith's perspective, and how God can use this trial, this tribulation, to help our faith grow even more, exercise our faith so it gets stronger for the purpose of whatever God's next step is in our life, or plan is for us. Is that, is that fair to say? Is that good? Okay. endurance so you can endure means you held on until the to the end of the trial or until you step into heaven through the doorway called death absolutely absolutely endurance endurance okay good 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 i love it so how do we experience joy when we experience a trial we need to realize that trials are not joyful in themselves I'm not trying, I don't think James is trying to say you flippantly go around saying you're going through a hard time. Ah, I just counted joy. No, no, there's not always joy in the trial that you're you're going through, by no means, okay? Uh, But what we have to understand is realize that our trials are under the authority of a sovereign God, as Brother James brought up a few minutes ago, who is accomplishing his purpose through the trial. Now, you have to be in a place where you understand. When you're going through a trial. Which is tough. It can be tough. Well I think we know. when We're going through a hard time. But understanding what that is. But I'll go back to what Brother James said right here. Not the book James for those on camera. Our brother here in the, in the class with us. Is that even through things. That we bring on ourselves. God definitely can still work it out. For his glory. And it can still be a learning moment. Let's see, That's it. Absolutely. Okay, so so what is God accomplishing in verse three and four? James begins to list the ways God uses trials in our lives. Okay, and it continues all the way through verse twelve. That's why I want to stop at twelve, and hopefully we'll be able to go on to eighteen. Okay, where he puts a book end in this section when he mentions trials again. That's kind of how we know it's starting. We talking about trials. He starts with trials. He ends with trial in verse twelve. Doesn't mean it's separate from the rest of the book, but you, like I said, you'll go along. I'll say, you say, man, where'd he go? He just, he just, poof. He was talking about. Faith and all, now he's talking about about trials, but then he comes back, brings it back to where we need to be, okay? James is saying we should embrace trials. That's tough, isn't it? Embrace. I think you know you're maturing in the Lord when you're going through a trial and you embrace the trial. He's saying, I know that's tough, and believe it or not, most of you do that. You may not look at it that way. When the trial first hits, the first thing is the shock. Oh my gosh, what's going on? Lord, what is going on? What are, absolutely. But then what kicks in at that point? Hopefully your Christian thinking, right? Your biblical foundational thinking. And at that point, you, you, I, this is the way I do it. Okay, God, I'm serious. I do this in my mind. Uh, whether it's something here at the church, in my life, with my family, w- whatever it may be. It's like, okay, Lord, why is this happening? And I first evaluate myself did I do something to bring this on? <laughs> is this a sowing and a reaping thing I'm going through, Lord? And, and I start deciphering it. And, 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 it's, and that's what I think. I don't think embracing it necessarily, I mean, I think it is, it's welcoming it to a sense, but it's, okay, it's, I think it's more of embracing, I'm here. It's kind of like when you get your vehicle stuck, okay, I'm here. I don't like it, but I'm embracing this. What do I have to do now to either get through it or... No, what is next? I think that's what embracing, and and not for what they are, but for what God accomplishes through them. And I think if we can start changing our way of thinking, evaluating, why am I here? Why am I going through what I'm going through? And then understanding, okay, God, what can I benefit from this? If you're in charge, we really believe you're in charge. What is it that I can learn from this situation? What are you trying to do in me. I'm sorry. I want it it on record so people who are watching can hear, okay? I know this is hard to get used to because usually on Wednesday night we don't have to do this, okay? I know too that when you're going through those trials, if there's somebody beside you
2: that's going to talk you down, you have talked me down lots of trials,
1: Let's make sure we clear. Not talk down to her, but Not talk down, but brought talk her talk off down, the ledge, yes. so to speak. Drop, brought no, her back to reality. reality. <laughs> reality.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that helps you when you're going through these trials to have somebody beside you.
1: They can look at it from a different perspective.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you look at it totally different than I, than I do most of the time. And you talk me down, so I don't want to jump off the ledge, right. you know, or whatever. Or give up or so whatever that helped, that, And that helps when you're on the... Oh, you're welcome. you're welcome, baby. You're welcome, honey. Well, thank you. Thank you, honey.
1: It also gives us hope. It does. It does give us hope. Absolutely. So we're going to look at four things right here. This is point number one, but there's four things very quickly I want us to see. There's four things we can learn in, in these trials, in these times, that, cause, that can cause us to be rejoiceful or rejoice in them, okay? And the first thing is we learn to grow in God's likeness when we go through these things. Okay. Now, can I say something that, um, that I think can probably bring some clarity to this study? Um, it's something that God has kept repeating in my mind, so I'm going to share you, uh, with you a personal God thought. And it's, actually, it's actually biblically based, it's very true, but I don't, I don't know if I've ever really thought it this way. But everything God puts me through, Or allows me to go through. Is to prepare me for the day. That I stand before him in judgment. I want you to think about that for just a minute. We don't always think of it from that context. But if God is permitting a trial in your life. Or if you brought the trial on yourself. And God can still work through that. Everything he is doing. We know His plan is for the world to be reached. We know we're part of that plan. I get it. That's to build our faith. But the reality is one day you are going to stand before God and everything He's doing is for that day. He is preparing you for your judgment day. And if there's one thing I want us to hear when I stand before God, is well done. See? It's a totally different perspective. It doesn't mean my salvation is in the balance. It doesn't mean... At all. I'm just talking about when I stand before God, it's not going to be you're a goat. No, I know I'm a sheep. Bah, right? I know I'm a sheep. And as I look through this congregation, I believe everybody in here is a sheep. So the things we go through is not to get you... It may be to get you in step with God sometimes. But the purpose for getting you in step is for, yes, for you to fulfill the plans God laid out for you in advance, Ephesians chapter 2. Absolutely. But all of that, and that is to reach the lost and, and make disciples, absolutely. But the end result is one day you're standing before God and He is preparing you for that day. Absolutely, yeah. So I say that because that really changes your perspective when you, when you think of it within that context. So, so with, with, with trials, we uh, James chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, endurance, patience... And let steadfastness, endurance, patience have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is, this is the primary purpose for the trials in this passage. God's goal is for us to mature in Him, to grow in the likeness of Jesus, so that one day when we stand before the Almighty God, His goal for us is, is to be prepared for that day. I, 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 I'm, I'm a child's minister, child's pastor at heart, you know. I've done children's ministry, so I don't want to talk about how long ago it was and how many years, but I did it for a long time, and I think in a childlike way. Uh, and, and I know it probably won't be this way, but I just get this idea that there's going to be a picture of Jesus. You know that picture that we all have of Jesus. We all had him on our walls at one time or another. And then you're going to be standing, and God's going to kind of say, okay, let's see how close you compare to my son. See? <laughs> we know it's not a painting, but you hear, you hear in my heart. It's going to... I am not your standard. If you're trying to live to be like me, God help you. If you live to be like me and I'm your standard, you're way behind the curve. Now, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul said. Absolutely. But Jesus is our standard. And when we go through trials and we go through these tribulations, as we call it, it morphs us, it molds us, it makes us, it grows our faith, it makes us lean on God, it makes us stand on the Word, all for the purpose of conforming us to the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. That's hard to swallow, isn't it? But that's how much God loves us and wants us to be transformed into the image of His Son. This world is not about us. It's about Him. Okay, so we need to keep that in mind, okay? If our goal is to know God and be conformed to His likeness, then we can take joy in trials because we can know that no matter how tough these trials are, they are moving us towards our goal. Brother Ben, put you on the spot. You've been going through a trial for two years. It looks like this particular trial is just about, this plane's hopefully going to land within a month or two. I hope, and I think the answer is yes, and I pray that through this trial, you leaning on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have been transferred more into the image of His Son. Brother John, hang on just a minute, brother. I know, I just want this to be heard. I'm I'm putting him on the spot, but I I have a right to do that, so.
0: (laughs) I think God woke me up this morning and said to me, it's not where you're going, it's where you're going for me.
1: Mm -hmm. It's
0: not what you're doing. As long as you try to do it right. And I have tried, I really have. But I understand a lot of uh, Old Testament stories now, especially Job, and I'm not Job. <laughs> but I understand why he questioned God. Then this morning, about four o'clock, I got up and went outside. And I've never seen the moon like that in all my life. I still know that God's in control. And I yep. still know. And all this that we've been fighting is fixing to come to an end. I believe Helen's trials are fixing to come to an end. Amen. I believe I may even get my lungs back one day. Amen. Uh, And I believe that, like I say, everything that we've been fighting, God said to me last night, is not where you're going if you're going with me.
1: it's where I'm taking you, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. That's it, right? In trials, we are experiencing growth in godliness like we would never experience any other way. You may not like it, but that is the truth. And this really isn't encouraging if you're the kind of person who has the goals that you want everything to be nice and easy and carefree and everything go your way. If that's your goal, then trials will never be a joy for you. There again, when I say joy, matter fact, my message I was speaking in two weeks talked about we're to always have be rejoicing and praying and, think, and thanking God. So we doesn't mean we find joy in the hardship of it, but we find joy in the fact that God is doing something through that trial that creates a you into the image, but also creates a testimony. That can help others when they may be going through a similar trial. See, It's powerful. It's a powerful thing. Okay, another thing we can learn, because obviously I'm not going to get as far as I thought I would tonight, but that's okay. This is not idea of finishing a chapter a night. Um, but the second thing that we can learn um, that causes us to be rejoiced, we learn to trust God's wisdom. James talks about wisdom. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, now he's talking about trials. Remember, he's talking about trials. And he goes right into, well, if you lack wisdom, so I can insert in there, in your trial, because he's talking about trials, let him, or let you ask God, who gives generously generously to all without reproach, and to him. Guys, are y'all messing with the sound? I don't know. I just keep fading in and out. I'm not sure what's going on. I just changed batteries, so the batteries should be good. I'm sorry, guys. I keep fading in and out. I want to make sure you can hear me. Now, what does this scripture imply to begin with? The first statement, the if statement, what does that imply to you? Does it imply that we lack wisdom? When you go through a trial, wouldn't you say usually you lack wisdom in facing what you're going through? Usually, unless you've been through it before. Unless you failed it last time, you happen to go through the test again, right? But you lack, you lack wisdom. So the first thing it says is we lack, we're not there yet. Think about trials you've been through or going through. Wisdom is what you need while you're going through what you're going Brother Ben, you needed wisdom. Getting the right adjuster, getting the right lawyer, getting whatever, whatever it took. You needed wisdom. You, need, you still do in buying a, a new house. You need wisdom with how to take care of your wife. I, I don't mean to pick on him. I just know a little bit what he's going through. But I'm looking at some of y'all and what you're going through. You need wisdom. Parents, with as many kids as you have, and especially with some who are special, you need wisdom, don't you? You need wisdom. We, that that's what James is talking about, right? He says you you need wisdom, um, because you lack it. You lack that wisdom. You you're not there there. You're not there yet. So what do we do if we lack wisdom? He says you ask. Now, as it relates to God's wisdom or our wisdom grows or increases through three different factors. I want you to think about this. How does your wisdom grow? Your wisdom grows through knowledge. It grows through perspective. And it grows through experience. The problem is you have, don't have knowledge of everything. You don't have your perspective isn't always reality. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? And your experience, you haven't experienced everything. So our limitations in all three of these lead us to limited wisdom. But let's look here. When we walk through trials, we quickly learn that we don't know all things that's going on. That's the knowledge. We don't see our situation from every angle. That's the perspective. And we often lack experience as to what to do. That's experience. So God, on the other hand, possesses all knowledge. Amen? He has eternal perspective. See, we don't ever really look at things from an eternal perspective until we get the death sentence. Can I be very transparent tonight? And I don't mean death sentence like you're going to death. That's just when there's no hope. I tell you, with, and I don't want to talk politics tonight. I didn't even follow the election last night. I didn't last four years ago because once I cast my lot, my ballot, is uh, you're not going to find anything out until all the dust settles anyways. So my wife and I last night had a nice dinner by ourselves. That was really nice, and we watched a movie together. But here's the reality of it is... is if the way it goes, the way it says is going to go, and I, there again, I don't want to talk politics because you, you may have voted for the, the person who gets in office. And I, but the reality of it is, from my perspective, I could very quickly lose hope in our nation. But you know what? That's looking at from my perspective. If we really believe God's will is done, could it be that Biden is God's will? I don't know. God's a lot wiser, smarter, intelligent than I am. But I will tell you this, regardless of who's in that office, it doesn't change who's on the throne. And it doesn't mean God isn't sovereign. It doesn't mean God cannot work through whoever. Can I be very transparent with you? And I know I'm going to hurt some feelings here because I'm not being judgmental, but we know the Bible says you can tell a tree by the fruit it bears. Some of what our existing presidents done isn't very good fruit-bearing, but God still used him. From an eternal perspective, he used him. How? If nothing else, our embassy now resides in Jerusalem. That's an eternal perspective because that's part of fulfillment of prophecy. If nothing else, he has worked, he, those who are under him, diligently to work on peace in the Middle East. Now we 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 kind of get tension when we talk peace in the middle east because we look at revelation and say well when there's peace look out and that is true but that doesn't mean we shouldn't want peace because even Jesus says pray for the peace in Jerusalem. Why would Jesus want us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Because he knows that is the on part of that's because he knows the future and he knows that is the beginning of the end and things in this world will come to a stop. See, it's an eternal perspective. God has that. We don't often. We look at it from our. I'm hurting. I, I'm going through surgery. I'm lacking, and God says, "I've got your needs taken care of." Right? But there's an eternal purpose perspective that you need to look at. Not about your needs, but how can you use what I give you to glorify me to touch lives for eternity? I mean, I can go all night and talk about this. We have to change our perspective. We have to know that God has the purpose. Perfect perspective to what we're going through. And in Christ, He has experienced every kind of test and prevailed. So God's done it all. He's got the wisdom, He's got the experience, He's got the perspective. We don't. So who do I go to? See, when I was in school and I struggled in a subject, I didn't go to, if I was struggling math, English, or whatever, I didn't go to somebody who was weak in those subjects. I'd go to the teacher. Or someone who made an A in that class, someone who was a lot more smarter than me. Excuse my ignorance. <laughs> right? That's that's what I would do. Here's some great news. If you ask God for give for wisdom, he gives it generously. But you have to ask him for it. He'll make it available to you. Let's see if I can't finish these last two subpoints. Absolutely. Have faith that he will do it. Absolutely. Yep. And then when he gives it, act upon it. And that's a subject for another time. Then act upon it, okay? The third thing we learned that should cause us to rejoice is we can rely on God's resources. We can rely on God and His resources. Look at what verse 9 and 11. They they introduced the theme of riches and poverty. All within the context of trials and testing. Here, while well, she said, "Let the," I mean, it sounds like this guy is jumping around, but he is not. He's talking within this context, and he says, "Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass; its flowers falls and the beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuit." Pastor, teacher, rabbi, what in the world does that have to do with trials? What James is reminding us is that trials have a remarkable leveling effect. Trials brings us all to the same level. If you're poor, you should boast in the fact that your circumstances are actually leading you to trust in God because you don't have the resources to fix it or do what you need to have done. You have to lean on God. In the absence of physical resources, you are driven to boast in your rich status as a child of God. When you are weak, whoo, He is made strong. Amen. Don't fight the weak part. just lean on him, okay? If you're rich, be careful. Riches aren't bad, but just be careful. because trials remind you that money cannot solve your problems and all the stuff you will fill your life with cannot cover up your hurts. That's really what he's saying here. It's gonna, it's gonna, it brings you down when you can't fix your own problems. You can't cover your own pain. This is what he said. And one day all this stuff is going to be burned in fire. You're going to have nothing left. Will your life be built on those physical resources or on the spiritual resources God can only provide for you? We can learn that. We can learn to rely on God's resources the fourth thing we can learn that causes us rejoicing is that we learn to live for his reward it's kind of that eternal perspective isn't it verse 12 blessed is the man who remains steadfast. now he's talking about in trials blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the test The test of life. This is the part I've talked about. He's preparing us to stand before Him one day in judgment. And when you do that, you're going to say, did you pass the test? If you did, you receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love Him. Man, you're going to have a crown one day. Now, we have to understand that to be blessed in this, this is uh, uh, one of several instances where if you read the book of James and you go back and you read the Sermon on the Mount and a lot of Jesus's teaching, you're going to find that James, and we're going to see more of this as we move forward in the weeks to come, James really falls back on the teachings of Jesus very strongly. Okay, so it's almost as if he was around to hear them. Now, we don't have record. We know at one time his family rejected him, so we don't know. We don't know. But somewhere, he he maybe in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's going to lean heavily on the teachings of Jesus. And he uses this word, blessed, quite frequently. Okay, But I don't want you, when he talks about the crown of life, there's two ways that we can misunderstand this crown he's talking about. Uh, don't picture a gem-studded gold headpiece that is worn by royalty. In James' day, the reader would understand this is a reef uh, headband made out of, out, of, out of plants that would be given to the victor. It's a victor's crown. Now think about that. When you, when you pass the test of time and you're standing for God, He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You're given this crown, which means you overcame life. You came, overcame sin through the blood of Jesus. You overcame temptation. You overcame the trials. You overcame the hardships of life. You crossed the finish line and you probably finished strong. And Jesus says, well done. Here is your crown of life. You are a victor. You celebrate the victory. I don't know about you. I do a little preaching there. That gets me a little excited. We are already victorious through Christ. That is just the evidence of the life we will have led, okay? Running through the trials of life victorious. That's what he's given us a picture of. But I also don't think this crown is being just a physical crown, it's more symbolic of the person receiving the reward of eternal life. And he says, just hang in there. You can rejoice. You can rejoice knowing that you are going to be victorious over this trial through Jesus Christ. Amen? And at the end, you will live in eternity with Him as a victor, as a child of God. This trial is not going to take you down. not going to take you out. God orders the steps of a righteous person, man or woman of God. Don't live in fear of that. Embrace it. Okay, God, I'm going through something. If I've caused it, please help me, show me how to stop it if necessary. If you're trying to teach me something through this, Lord, help me. Give me wisdom. How do I handle this? Help me see it from your perspective, God. i got to think eternally. i got to keep my mind in in heavenly places. i got to think, as as Colossians tells us, okay, Father, help me understand this and then understand I can have joy knowing that one day this trial is going to be over in this life and one day all trials are going to be over and I will receive the victor's crown. See, we, brother, we're probably going to have to end right there. Go ahead. You Uh, have plenty of time I'm talking about. I probably won't go any farther in my notes. Go ahead.
2: The, the, The question that comes up here is that when you plead the blood of Jesus Christ, don't you automatically win the crown and accept Jesus Christ? Your savior isn't that the crown oh, of life abs- now we're talking about two different crowns uh, yes uh, but he's ta- but, but
1: absolutely no because, not not necessarily because
2: he's talking about you can get the crown when you endured the test but however you get salvation and the victory in Jesus Christ through Jesus Christ and his blood and it, and believing that he died oh it. absolutely See, so there's we're I talking about two different I, things I here. see
1: him focusing more on the fact that you are going to receive that crown when you get to heaven. I think it's more of keeping that eternal focus. It's more of living for the rewards of hey, I, you're right. When you're saved, when you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, no doubt. You you have you have a place being prepared for you. I don't. Yes, absolutely. But with that in mind, when in other words. Just understand that that's that's your reward, though. That's the point. Stand firm. You can can embrace these trials knowing that your destiny is heaven your destiny is eternal life with jesus christ that is your your reward jesus is your reward we even says that in the word that is your reward we get reward but the, the but don't get so lost caught up in the fact that i got a reward it's the fact of the matter of concentrate focusing on the end when the end does come and i have withstood these trials it may be hard here on earth this is the worst it's going to get for you as a christian It's only going to get better, right? If you're not a Christian, this is the best it's going to get. But knowing that, brother, you're right. But knowing that, brother Gerald, it's just you can. In other words, you can embrace the trials you're going through and and be joyful in the fact that you know that this trial ain't going to kill me. It ain't going to take me. I mean, God obviously through a trial can take you. Don't get me wrong. But the reality is, your trust is in the Lord. Your confidence is in Him. And I can embrace it. you know, when that issue, not to bring up my personal life, but that issue, the biggest trial, I've been through some big trials, but the biggest one was my wife's health at that time, not just with multiple sclerosis, but where she literally, as I shared this past Sunday, I got the call, we're taking her in now, we can't wait on you, this doesn't look good. Those were the words, this does not, Brother Joey knows, he came into my office, and I got on the phone, and it's like, this doesn't look good. I was facing a trial. I didn't do anything to bring that on myself, she didn't do anything to bring on that on herself, and I had to, I had to, I'm not going to tell you while I was going through it, I embraced it in the sense that, oh, yay, my wife may die or, you know, worse, you know, whatever. No, but the point of the matter is, is I, 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 I learned and I grew during that time. And there is joy knowing, I, I found solace in this. I found solace in this. If God chose to take my wife, not, I would miss her greatly. And I'm not saying I'd be hooting and hollering, yeah, God, whoo, thank you, Jesus. No, but I would be rejoicing the fact that I knew where she would be. And so it is with me. I go through trials and tribulations, and I know one day I know where I'm going to be. And this world has no, has, no, has no grip on me. And I think where we're we, sometimes, and I don't want to be a browbeater. This, this is a learning environment. This is a very open. I want us to discuss it. Anything you have is a great question, always. But I, but I don't want this to be taken hard. I think sometimes, though, as, as, because of the nation we live in, even, listen, even whom, whomever gets an office in February, January, whenever, January, whatever date that is, we still live in the greatest nation in the world. We do. As bad as it is, it's still a lot better than most places in this world. But because we live in such a a prosperous, blessed nation, which I thank God for that, I hope He keeps His hand on us, we'll see. We sometimes forget that we're pilgrims passing through. And we forget that we're to be building God's kingdom and not our kingdom. Now, I don't think we purposely say, I want to build my kingdom. And not God's kingdom. I just think that something sometimes the ways of the world infiltrate our way of thinking, and we don't we don't think from a perspective, eternal perspective. We think more of a monetary in the moment, uh, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life kind of things. Not that everything is a sin. I don't mean that either. It's okay for you to have a boat. It's okay for you to hunt. It's okay, ladies, for you to have whatever. I'm just saying is. Sometimes, though, that's what we strive for, and we forget the eternal perspective of life. We're pilgrims, guys. Life is just a and then you're gone. We're a tent. We're a tabernacle. Yeah, it's a tent. That's... Yeah, it's a tent. Yeah. It's temporary, absolutely. That's what trying to say, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 temporary housing. This is temporary housing. That's what a tent is. Nobody in the right mind wants to live in a tent. You may want to glamor camp, and you may want to go camping with your kids. I get it. But you don't trust me. There's people after Hurricane Michael lived in tents for months. They don't want to live in a tent, and I guarantee you, say that you don't want to live in a camper. That's temporary housing. But so is this. This is temporary. Man, I used to be skinny. I used to weigh 130 pounds. I used to be young and vibrant. All my fingers and thumbs worked. I didn't ache, didn't have aches and pains, man. I could go, there was a time I could actually go out and run a 5K and I would run it in under eight minute miles at one point. I know. I'm twice the man I used to be. (laughs) It was a bear. (laughs) But the reality is I've gotten older and I haven't taken real good care of this body, but even if I did, Even if I ran and I lost a bunch of weight, the reality of it is, if the Lord should tarry, I'm just going to be... Worms are going to eat me. This part of me. You know? But the real me, my soul, and my spirit will live for eternity. And one day, I will get a new body. And I hope that... I, I don't want to be 130 pounds again. My wife said I looked like I had a turkey neck. So... I don't know why she married me, but I, would, I don't know what my new body will look like. I just know it would be perfect in every way. See, in knowing that, when I go through hard times and trials, I don't like them when I'm in them. I ain't going to lie to you. It ain't like, man, I can't wait for the trial. It comes to me tomorrow. No. Uh-uh. I don't like the trials I'm going through right now. I mean, but what I'm doing is I can't change them. So I'm going to embrace them. And I'm going to learn from them. And I'm going to allow God to help grow my faith and transform me into the image of His Son. See, And I'm going to look at things from an eternal perspective. And just remember that one day I cross that line and I want to finish strong. I don't want to limp across the line. I want to finish strong and I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. All right. Well, we're going. To, we're going to shut it down for the night. I still got a lot to do. We'll pick up there. We only got to um, one of the truths that affects us um, when trials and temptations, and we'll pick up probably next week on the other two. This was the longest point, admittedly. Um, so we'll pick up there next week. So just bring your Bibles back and do a little bit more studying, and we'll 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 probably get through verse eighteen for sure next week. Amen. Let's pray and. Uh, Uh, My goal is for tonight, these nights, to be learning environments, and I hope tonight maybe your perspective was changed a little bit, or nothing else reinforced what you already knew. Father, thank you so much, God, for your presence here tonight, Lord, for, God, the energy that's been in the room, the, I feel like, the desire to learn um, uh, has been here tonight, God, and I thank you so much for the interaction, discussion that we've had with your word, Lord. It doesn't come back void you say that about your word. It doesn't whatever when we read it and we study it and we, we we look at it with honest eyes and with with spiritual intuned ears, God, it's not gonna come back void. And and Lord, I, I believe that tonight. Because Lord, fact of the matter is many of us are facing trials. We're going through stuff that we sure don't wish on our worst enemies, God. And and Lord, and we struggle through those times. That's one of those things that probably Christians uh, struggle with probably even more than sin, Father, is with trials and things and and so, Lord, I pray that you give us a biblical perspective of the trials that we go through and just help us, God, to embrace them, as I feel like James is telling us to do here in chapter 1. and Look at things from your perspective, God, and lean on your wisdom, Lord. and Just rejoice, God, knowing that trials come and trials go, and it's not when they come or when they go, but what we learn and what we do in the middle of them, Father. And, God, in how you reveal yourself to us in the middle of them, God, and I thank you. Now, Lord, be with us and go with us, God. We do pray for our nation. I thank you, Lord, for all of our leaders, all government officials, regardless of which letter goes beside their name, God. And I pray for all of them for their salvation. Lord, that they'll lean on you, God, and not on their own wisdom and knowledge. But, Lord, truly, God, revival, God, may it take place in the White House and in the Capitol. God, I know that those men and women would do like our ancestors did, God, Stop and fast and pray before they made decisions, God. Just like our forefathers, God, our nation would turn around, God, and we would see great revival in the land. I'm still believing that can happen, God, because nothing's impossible with you. Thank you, Lord. Keep us safe tonight as we go home. Give us rest in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, folks.